Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, we're uh, we're going to continue our series um, called the Table, and uh, so this is this is a new series that that we've been going through uh, the Book of Luke, actually uh, looking at sometimes when Jesus sat in someone's home at a table. And, uh, and uh, today we are getting into a familiar text, so turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. That is where we are going uh, this morning. And uh, hey, it's good to have you with us. And um, if this is your first time here, I want to just also welcome you here. My name is Jonathan, and um, myself and my wife, Precious, we lead the church, and uh, so glad to have you as a part of it this morning. But Luke chapter 19 is where we're going, a familiar text to all of us. And um, before we read it, can I just tell you some of the reason why, why we're in this series? Um, we, we've done this series looking at some of the, some of the times when Jesus gathered with t- people around a table and uh, welcomed them into his presence because God has placed tables into our own lives as well. And um, this morning, I have uh, I brought our own family table up uh, in in front of us this morning, and uh, as you can see, it's uh, it's pretty pretty well used and well worn. Um, it's because we've had this table for the past uh, almost fourteen years. And uh, after I read this passage, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that table. But God's put tables into each of our own lives, and just as Jesus was intentional about gathering people around his table and welcoming them, no matter who they were, um, God has given us tables as well in our own homes or in our workplaces or just in our own community, relationships that he's put us into where we can gather with people that need hope and healing in Jesus' name. And, uh, and so we want to just, uh, just talk about that and, and remind ourselves to be intentional as Jesus was to stop and sit with people, and uh, share the hope of the gospel with them, and sit with people in their joys and in their sorrows. So why don't we, um, why don't we just uh, have a word of prayer right now, and then we're going to read the text and uh, see what God has for us this morning. Father, thank you that uh, you have placed us here in your church today. God, would you uh, just have your way uh, in, in your church right now as we gather around this table as we gather around the text of your word, as we gather around this story that shows us so much of who you are and what you want for us, God, as we have chosen to follow you. God, would you you just uh, give us us, uh, the joy today to um, just come to you as we are and uh, to learn from you, to hear from the Father's heart. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, of uh, what we are about to receive. In your name we pray, amen. All right. Hey, our text is Luke chapter 19. If you got your Bibles, open it up there. We're going to read through the whole text and then, uh, then go through it verse by verse like we normally do. Luke chapter 19, it says this. He entered Jericho, and that's Jesus. He's passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. 
And he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, and when they they saw it, they all grumbled, he has gone to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, in half of my goods I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word for us today as we have the privilege to gather around it. I want to tell you, first of all, a little bit, though, about about this table that we have with us today. As I said, this is our family table, and uh, it's special to us because it was given to us by a really special lady here in this church. How many of you remember Annette Mobley? Yeah, many of you guys, many of you that, that have been here a long time. Annette was, was a longtime member of, of this church, the First Baptist Church of Payton City at the time. And um, when we came to this church, Precious and I came to this church back in 2009, uh, we actually, for two months, lived in the D&D Motel. How many of you remember that, that motel? Right across the street, okay? So just like a stone's throw right from where we're at, we lived in a tiny little, little room for two months while my wife, great with child, was telling me, Jonathan, we have to buy a house. <laughs> and finally, through, through man, just only God could provide us with, with a home. And he, he provided us with a wonderful home that needed a lot of work. And uh, the, the owner of it actually let us move in early. Actually, even, even a month before we even closed on the house, which is crazy. That's like unheard of today. But as, uh, as we got to move in, we didn't really have much. We came with a tiny little trailer, and, um, and uh, we moved all our stuff in. And, and the next Sunday, Annette at church had heard that we had been able to move in. She asked, um, do you guys need any furniture? And uh, she had a storage, storage unit right across over in Sardis. And she said, why don't, why don't you come over to, to my storage unit and, and see, if, see if there's anything in there that, that you could use. And of course... Um, we come over the next day, and someone someone had a trailer, and and uh, and this is this is one of the things that Annette gave us, and uh, it's been part of our family ever since. This this table, it's some it's a place that we gather around. I would get dare to say every single day since we have since we received it. Um, it's it's uh, one of those tables that's that's indestructible. You can do anything on it, um, and so so that's why we've kept it. We don't have to worry about it getting getting dinged or damaged or scratched or whatever. It's already scratched. It's already dinged. It's already already a mess in some places. But uh, I I guarantee you, we're going to keep this table as long as we can, because it's it's a reminder daily of who Annette was. Um, she lived really open-handedly about a lot of a lot of things. Um, she, uh, you have to know this. She went through a lot of pain um, before we'd come to the church. She had actually lost her husband. Um, her husband had, had passed away, and uh, it had left her 
really upset and angry and um, feeling, feeling lonely and without purpose. And uh, for many years, she, she was kind of that old lady in the back of the church that was just upset about everything, that didn't like change, that was obstinate, that just was against things. And it just, that, that was not her. Until one day, um, her, her daughter said, said to her, Mom, I, I feel like when we lost Dad, we lost you as well. And that, that changed Annette. It changed her from, from being someone that was all, you know, victim, poor me, I don't have any purpose, to thinking, yeah, I do have a reason to live. And I do have a family right now. And I have a church family. And I have a reason to live on this earth. And, uh, and so she went from being angry and upset to being one of the biggest blessings in, in the church that, that I've ever seen. She was, she was, I would say, one of our greatest supporters um, when we were trying to initiate change. And, and uh, she, she was one that would, would talk to people that were having difficulty with things. And uh, very instrumental because as a longtime member of the church, people loved her and trusted her. And so she, she, uh, she, throughout the years, engaged in Vacation Bible School. Um, she helped with that. Um, she, uh, she engaged with our children's ministry, with missions. Uh, she led our, our Women's Missionary Fellowship to support our missionaries. She had a heart for, for, for the lost and for international missions. But probably the biggest thing that I saw about Annette was that she didn't just keep it at church. She was one that, that sought to seek and to save the lost just in her daily life. She was a school teacher, and I don't think she ever retired. Um, and uh, she lived over in the community of Woodsfield, Ohio, which is about a 40-minute drive from, from Payton City. And so every day, um, every Sunday, she would make that drive, you know, back and forth, that, that long distance. And uh, there was a few times when Annette actually invited us to come out to Woodsfield and uh, to have dinner with her. And, uh, and it was amazing as we went through town, and it, even when we went to one of the, the, I think it's the Knowles over in Woodsfield, is that, that the football team? Um, they, uh, when we went to a football game with them at the high school, I can't tell you, man, every single person knew Annette, and, and uh, in a good way. Because, man, she was intentional about her relationships with people. I, I'm not a betting man, but... I would bet you $100 that you could go to Respects over in Woodsfield right now, even today, and say Annette's name, and that person, that cashier, would know exactly who you're talking about and would be able to tell you a story about Annette. She loved people, and she found a purpose on this earth to, uh, to share the hope and joy of knowing Jesus with people. And uh, just as she invited us around her table um, she invited many, many others. She was very intentional in that way. And so that is, uh, that's something that we, we remind ourselves of constantly when we sit at this table. Um, hardly a day goes by when we don't think about Annette and her table um, because uh, it's, it's a joy to be able to have that as, as a memory of her. Um, around this table... We have, we've done many things as a family. We've celebrated birthday parties. Uh, we homeschool right now around this table. We have meetings around the table, Bible studies, our 242 group. Um, we have 
cried around this table with others. We have gone through hard times, had hard conversations with people around this table. We've had, had awesome times and parties and joyful times around this table. Life happens around our, our dinner table. And, and I, I would guess to say that um, if this table could talk, it would have quite a testimony. It really would. And um, I guess my question for you, as we go into this passage that, that we've already read, is if your table could talk, what kind of testimony would it have? What kind of testimony would, would your kitchen table have in your house? Let's go to our text this morning. Our text this morning is Luke chapter 19, and let's, let's go into it verse by verse. It says, says there in verse 19, verse 1, that he entered Jericho and he was passing through. Now, this may seem like a very simple verse, but um, there's actually a lot to it. First of all, understand that Jesus is um, on his way, we see in chapter 18, on his way to Jerusalem. And uh, he had told his disciples, if you read chapter 18 into 19, don't even pay attention to, to the chapter numbers because it's just a continuation of the narrative, okay? And so, so just, just probably minutes or hours before he had told his disciples, hey, we're, we're going into Jerusalem. And there, if you remember, Jesus said, I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be spat upon. And um, they're going to nail me to a cross. And I'm going to die. But three days later, I'm going to rise again from the dead. He told his disciples this. But it says there in the text that they didn't understand. They didn't get it. How plain could you get? They still didn't understand. And as they're walking their way into the city of Jericho, if, if you're reading into, into, this, into chapter 19, you'll see that who do they meet? But they meet a blind man who cries out, Lord, have mercy on me. And he, he's blind. He, he can't see, okay? And, and you know, this, this is not his destination. He, he's on his destination to Jerusalem. He's trying to go there. He's on his way through Jericho. He gets stopped for a first time by a blind man, okay? And these stories go together, okay? He gets stopped by a blind man. And he says, he says what do you want? He says, I'd, I'd like to recover my sight. And he says, recover your sight. He heals that man right there. Okay, just so you know, these two stories are connected. And as we get, in, get into this, this chapter 19, it says he was on his way into Jericho and was passing through. He didn't mean to stop. It was not, it was not uh, you know, obviously God knew that this was going to happen. Jesus knew that this was going to happen, but it wasn't his, his destination. Can I tell you that in life, you may have a destination. You may feel like God is bringing me here. I'm, I'm on my way here. But God's going to give you people that you need to stop for on the way. Okay, don't, don't get distracted by just keeping focus on the destination. When I travel, I like to just get there, okay? But you miss the beautiful moments if you won't just pull aside and stop and take time with someone. There may be someone this week you need to stop for. And uh, this may be God's word to you that just like Jesus stopped and took time for these two people, um, you need to also take time and stop Stop for that person that, that may need Jesus right now. He was passing through. Verse 2, keep on reading. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, 
He could not because he was small in stature. Let's stop there. There's three things that we know about Zacchaeus. And um, if you were in Sunday school, you, you would have known these three songs by that little, little ditty that we used to sing, right? And I, I don't know if we need to sing it right now. <laughs> sing it. Yeah. All right, let's all sing it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, please come down for I'm going to your house today. All right, let's stop. (laughs) All right, back to Sunday school. A lot of great memories there. Three things we know about Zacchaeus. The first of all is that um, he was a chief tax collector. So he wasn't just a tax collector. No, he actually owned a tax franchise, okay? So like the H&R block of, of Jericho, that's what he owned. And so he was, he was filthy rich. Um, and that, that's the second thing that you need to know about him. He had made his money by defrauding people of their taxes. He worked for the Roman government as, as a Jew. He worked for the Roman government. And, uh, and so, so because of that... He, he practiced what was called tax farming at that time. Basically, he would collect the taxes that the Romans required and give it, give it to the Romans to continue the oppression that they were, the Jews were under. And so he was hated for that. But then he was further hated because then he would attach his own fee, kind of like Ticketmaster does when you try and buy a ticket for a concert. And you're like, what the heck? The ticket was only 15 bucks, but it's like $70 at the end after checkout. And they're attaching all these fees. That's what they did, okay? And so, so the government, they're, they're like, they wanted to incentivize the tax collectors, like, hey, this could be a really lucrative business. And so they didn't crack down on that kind of thing. They were like, you do what you want. Collect as much taxes as you want, and uh, just as long as we're getting paid. They're incentivized for that. And so just know this, Zacchaeus, he probably had other tax collectors working underneath him. And so that's why he was so rich. He was, he was a chief tax collector. He was rich, okay? He wasn't driving a Prius. He was driving a Porsche, okay? That's who he was. He had the best house in town. He had vacations, you know, probably every other week he took a vacation. Um, he had a really nice closet. He had all that you could imagine. And even though his bank account was full, there was a hole in his soul. And you may feel that right now. We, we, um, we pretty much, most of us, we have everything that we need in life. But you may feel like there's a hole in your soul, something that's missing. And the text says that he was seeking Jesus. He was like, there, there's a man coming. I've heard about this man. He uh, calls himself the way and the truth and the life. And uh, he was seeking Jesus, it says. So, so he's, he's this man named Zach. He works for the IRS. He's filthy rich. What's the third thing that we know about him, though? Is that he's short. He is short. Now, why in the world does the, does the Bible give us this little detail? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, Luke is a doctor, and so he's going to comment on that. Um, generally, people were shorter in those days. If, if you look at the archaeological records, um, Jesus was not this tall English man. He was not. Okay, He was probably short and darker skinned himself. Um, but uh, Zacchaeus was, was even shorter. Okay, And I, I wonder, 
if the reason why Luke gives us this little detail is because he wants us to recognize that Zacchaeus is us. Zacchaeus is us. And you can just attach that, that little end of his name to yourself because I believe just like the prodigal son and the older brother um, that Jesus wanted us to identify ourselves with, that, um, that Jesus wants us also to identify ourselves with Zacchaeus. Um, he was short. How many of you here are short? Yeah, there's a few of you. How many of you are tall? Yeah, a few of you guys. Okay. I, I would be in, in more of the tall camp uh, in comparatively. But uh, unfortunately for you tall folks, when the Bible talks about um, tall people, it's actually never a positive thing that I've seen. Um, so sorry to say that and disappoint you guys. Um, but uh, if, you, if you read in the books of First and Second Samuel, um, you'll even see that when they wanted to have themselves a king, they found the tallest and the handsomest guy, right? Who was that? King Saul. No, it wasn't Jonathan. No. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. I think you just got married, though, last week, right? All right, you better watch it. My wife is watching you. <laughs> It was King Saul. King Saul. He was, it said in the Bible, head and shoulders taller than everyone else. And, and he was a pretty handsome guy. But even though that Saul had the, had the height to be king, he did not have the heart. He didn't have the heart. And actually, um, Samuel almost made that same mistake then again when God said, I want you to go and anoint another king. And what did he do? He went, he went to... Um, the the one place where, where God had God had gathered all the, all these sons sons of Jesse together, and uh, he sees the oldest oldest son. He's like, oh, that's him. He's handsome. He's tall. And he was about to anoint him with oil. And God said, don't do it. I've rejected him. That's not who I have. He said, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. And so, so as, as, as this text is kind of similar to that, it's talking about a short person, what I want you to know is that I believe that God often raises up those who, who may not have the, the smarts, may not have the strength, may not have the looks, they may look a little bit humble, but they have the right heart. And uh, God may be raising you up into a position, even though you may feel kind of small, even though you may feel insecure about yourself, even though you may not have, have all the education or all the wisdom or all the experience, or maybe you're, you're not famous or, or, you know, think much of yourself. You may feel small, but God is, God is raising you up to something so that he can show that he uses the weak and not the strong. And uh, so, so the more that you can even, you know, even, even hone in on that and realize, yeah, to, to God, I am small, and I'm just a vessel for his use, the more that his strength can be made perfect in you. Can I encourage you in that way? He chooses this man who's small. He chooses him. And as, it, as, it, as the text goes on, it, it says some things about Zacchaeus. Um, it says that, that Zacchaeus, in trying to see Jesus in verse um, 4, says he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Just imagine this little, little Zacchaeus was running ahead, climbing up a tree, 
and trying to see who, you know, if Jesus was coming, okay? And, and he must have been just trying to get just ahead of the crowd because soon, soon thereafter, Jesus was on his way. Now, as you look at the text, what's interesting is, as I said, the, the story of the blind man and the story of Zacchaeus are actually connected. Because two times as Jesus is on his way into, into the city of Jericho, he stopped. First by a blind man shouting, and, and then by Zacchaeus who's running and climbing, okay? And in chapter 18, Jesus has actually just said something about those who the kingdom of heaven belongs to. And he says that it, the kingdom of heaven belongs to children. He says, don't, don't hinder them. Now, what do children do? If I think about my own kids... Some things that children, my, my children do is they're running all the time, they're jumping on the couch, you know, they're, they're playing airplane, they're, they're jumping on me, and they're, they're, they're climbing on things, okay, Who, whose kids do that? Yeah, okay, all of our kids, kids just do that, and if they're not doing that, then they're shouting or they're crying, <laughs> It's, it's either one, either, either, I mean, man, I, I think our kids are bipolar sometimes. I will say that. Um, you, you may struggle with that. As a child, we all did, okay? Um, man, uh, at one time, they're just happy and go lucky and running and climbing and, and joyful, and the other times, they're just crying. And um, that's what children do, though. And Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is for them. It's for children. Here's Zacchaeus acting like a child. And there's the blind man, remember him? He's crying out, he's shouting, Lord, have mercy on me, help! You know, that's what children do. And so, so we see Zacchaeus pictured here like a child, just as, just as the blind man was, was pictured as a child in, in desperation. And as the text goes on, as, as Zacchaeus is up in that tree, it says in verse 5 that when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Now, this is a little detail, but all of Zacchaeus' life, he'd been looked down upon. He'd been looked down upon because he was a tax collector, and people labeled him and said, oh, you are such a horrible sinner. You tax collector, you are unworthy of the grace of God. You don't belong here, man, and we're not going to be friends with you. We're going to shut you out from our community. And so there he was. He was a rich man who had no friends and uh, was rejected by everyone, looked down upon by everyone. And here Jesus is looking up at him. And what Jesus does in, in these next few, few lines is this. What does he say? He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Let me just stop there. He didn't look up and say to him, Hey, you dirty tax collector, come on down here. Let me tell you all your sin. <laughs> That's not what he did. That's what we would expect the God of the universe who knows everything to say to us. That, that God that, 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 you know, is wrathful against sin, that hates sin, you know, be like, yeah, get down here, man. Let me tell you all you're wrong. You're going to hell. Is that what Jesus did? No. That's what we'd like to do. That's the way we often treat people. But no, he, he turns to him and he says, Zacchaeus. Instead of calling him by his shame, he calls him by his name. And can I tell you, that's what Jesus does for us as well. Now, there's a beauty in this word, his, his name Zacchaeus. You know Zacchaeus? His name means pure one. And back then, 
and even today, if you've had children, um, especially though in Jewish culture, they would name their children very carefully because they knew that whenever they named their children, that often they were speaking prophetically about their future, about who they were going to be as a person. And so, so I don't know if you've chosen names for your children and, and looked up the meaning of those names, and that, that may be something that you want to do for yourself to, to even see if maybe your parents spoke prophetically about you in, in calling you what they did. But for Zacchaeus, when his parents chose his name, they had high aspirations for him. This is our pure child. Spotless one. Pure one. Was Zacchaeus pure? No. Far from that. He was far, far, far from that. Man, nobody would call him the pure one. But yet Jesus, he looks up. He says, pure one. Come on down. And then comes the invitation. Jesus goes on to say this. Hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. Today. Now, when we hear that from Jesus, if Jesus was here and was like, yeah, I'm going to stay at, uh, I'm going to stay at your house today. As Americans, we're like, that's rude. You don't invite yourself over, <laughs> right? You know, I got to clean my house. I got to, you know, make sure everything's good. I got to do my, you know, mow my lawn, do my, all my landscaping, make sure my laundry and my dishes are done. We don't want people seeing our house in disorder. And yet Jesus, he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. You know, in that culture, that was something that was actually welcomed and appreciated. And that when someone in that culture, and even today in the Middle East, if someone says, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to come to your house today, what they mean is that I'm coming to your house right now, have dinner ready, because we're hanging out, okay? People there appreciate that. We're like, that, that creeps us out, man. We're like, oh, no, okay? <laughs> and uh, maybe, maybe we should learn a little bit from that and learn to chill out a little bit more. But that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He, he was inviting himself over. And um, it says that Zacchaeus then in, in verse 6, he, he came down from, from this tree and it says, um, it says, so he hurried and he came down and received him Joyfully, just imagine the joy that Zacchaeus was uh, experiencing at that time. And when they saw it, and this is the crowd, when they saw it, they grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. That's what they said. Now think about what Jesus had done. If Jesus was trying to um, win friends and influence people, who would he have stayed with? probably would have stayed with the local, um, local pastor or maybe, you know, someone, someone that was famous or an elected official, the, the mayor of the city, someone that, that had power, that was famous, that was, was looked up to, someone that, that he would want to associate himself with. But yet Jesus, he said, I've come to seek and save the lost. And so I'm coming to the house of the most hated man in the whole city. I'm going to go into your house Zacchaeus. And I just want you to think about the difference between, between even the two stories. I know you didn't read the story of the blind man, but when the blind man has his sight restored, the people are like in awe, and they're rejoicing, they're happy. But then when, when you see that Jesus invites Zacchaeus uh, to, you know, to, to 
be a friend of Zacchaeus, to go to his house, what do the people do? They, they grumble. And, and I believe too often, even as Christians, we, we like the grace of God in theory, but sometimes we don't like it for others. And let's be careful about that. Let's be careful about those that we say, yeah, those, those people belong, belong to God, and those, those people are worthy. These people, man, they, they, they don't need, they, Jesus will never love them. They're too far gone. That's the kind of people that Jesus came for. The people that, that the world rejects. The people that, that the world says is too far gone. That's, that's who Jesus came to seek and to save. To be a friend to. And can I tell you, if you feel that way, if you came to church feeling that way, feeling far from God, Jesus is your friend. Jesus wants you. He loves you. Okay, He wants to come to your house. He's knocking at your door. Now, as, as it goes on, it, it says, says that... Um, that, that uh, as, as Jesus has come to Zacchaeus' house, that he received him joyfully. We're going back just a little bit, but it says that he received him joyfully. And I can just imagine as, as Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house, that uh, Zacchaeus, who has probably the, the nicest house in all of Jericho, has a lot to show him. And whenever someone comes to your house that's never been there before, oftentimes you give them a little tour, right? And so Jesus is, is, you know, being shown around like, oh, here, here's all my cars, you know, here's, here's my closet, you know, here, here's my dining room, here's my kitchen, you know, here's my bedroom, you know, here, here's all the vacations I went on. And, and as he was going through his house, just imagine this, don't you think Zacchaeus was starting to feel smaller and smaller and smaller? Because at that, that moment he was, he was realizing Jesus is in my home, and Jesus knows me. He knows how I got all of this. He knows that I got this through oppressing other people. He knows that I, that I got this unfairly from people. And it didn't even take a sermon from Jesus for him to realize that he was a sinner. And that, that's, that's maybe where you may be at right now. I know a lot of us, we come to church, most of us realize that we're sinners. But like Zacchaeus, if Zacchaeus is us, we realize, we need to realize we are small. And it says in Scripture, for all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. That's us. Zacchaeus is us. We've all fallen short. And so without Jesus even preaching a sermon, what, what Zacchaeus does is, is he responds to Jesus the way that each of us also need to respond to Jesus as well. Keep on going on into, I think it's verse 7. It says, and when, oh, verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood. Okay, that might be a short joke, just so you know. <laughs> Some of you got that. Zacchaeus stood. Is he standing? <laughs> okay. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. See, what Zacchaeus did at this moment was he, he was repenting of his sin. He was realizing that he had wronged not only God, but he had wronged other people. He said, I, I, need, to, I need to make it right not only with you, but with others. I'm going to restore what I have, I have gotten by oppressing other people, and I'm going to restore it fourfold. Full. That means 400% I'm going to give back. You know, Jewish law actually only required 20% at that time. He was going to go bankrupt, basically. He was going to lose everything. 
And that's the worth that he gave to Jesus. If I can, if I can be yours and follow you, I'm going to give up everything to follow you. In chapter 18, you can read about the rich young ruler who rejected Jesus. And uh, here's a man who accepted him and decided to follow him. And that meant sacrifice. In verse 9, though it said, And Jesus said to him today, Salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now in this verse, what we, what we see about Jesus in his words is that he says, Today salvation has come to this house. What does he mean by that? Salvation has come to his house. Doesn't Jesus himself here personify salvation? Jesus is salvation. There is no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. He is salvation. So if, if you don't know him, just, just know that, that you don't come to Jesus through, through following a, a program, do this, do that, do this, do that, get rid of this, get rid of that, you know, turn your life around. No, Jesus comes to you. He says, I forgive you. I come to you as you are, a sinner, small, realizing you've fallen short. Salvation has come to your house. And he goes on to say this line that I believe should also speak to us. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. As we, as we know that that is the heart of Jesus, the heart of the Father, toward those that are far from him, I pray that that is also our own hearts. Because as, as we're reminded today, as, as you see this table, as we uh, gather even around it as a church today, what we remember is that uh, there are saints that have gone before us that heard Jesus' call and said, I'm going to also go and seek to save the lost. And if Annette can be an example for us, speaking even to us from the dead today, um, or from eternity, she's, she's more alive than ever before, praise God. But if she can be a reminder of the heart of Jesus to us, let's, let's remind ourselves these are the kind of people that Jesus wants us to gather around our table not to be judgmental, not, not to make a decision for other people, but to receive people as they are into our homes. You know, if, if, that, is, if that is you today and maybe you're feeling far from Jesus, what, what Scripture says to you in the book of Revelation is, is this. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Is Jesus knocking at the door of your heart today? He says, if, um, if any man opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus wants to come to your house. And what he's doing is he's knocking on the door of your heart. And you, even though you feel small, insignificant, far from God, unworthy of him. Jesus says, I don't care that you're small. I came for you. I came to seek and save the lost. And so just, just the fact that you recognize you're small is a guarantee that, that, uh, that I want to come to your house. I want to save you. 
And if that is you today and you want to just pray and receive Jesus and repent of your sins and trust in him as your Savior and Lord, um, I want us to just bow our heads and just do that right now. Jesus wants you. And so if, if you want to answer that call of Jesus to come, to come to your door today, to the door of your heart, would you just, just pray with me? Lord Jesus, I feel small. And Lord, I, I know that I fall short of you. But Jesus, I thank you that through your blood, sacrifice for me, I can be made clean. I can be made whole. Thank you, God, for saving me as a sinner and welcoming me into your house. I want to be your child. I want to be called your son and your daughter. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Praise God. So keep on praying today. We as a church, we've received this word of God that, that I think is meant to change us, meant to change our hearts, meant to change our attitudes toward other people. And so if that is you today and, and you're feeling like Jesus is calling you to, to some kind of change, calling you to um, to change the way that you're living, maybe um, maybe there's people that God has placed upon your heart. Maybe there's some action that God has, has put on your heart to, to do as a result of what he has shown you today from this message. Let's just take a second. Let's, let's right now and just, just pray, Lord Jesus, would you show me what that is? And would you help me take some action on that this week? Let's just take a moment in silence just to ask Jesus that right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your perfect example to us. Lord, help us, Lord, to love others the way that you have first loved us. And God, we give you the praise for what you're about to do. Lord, you are good. Thank you for being a friend to sinners just like me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.